Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. So let's get into today's message. We are in week number six uh, of this series called Abide, and we need to bring some closure to it. But to be honest with you, the thought of stopping or the thought of bringing closure to this particular thought is a bit of a mind bender for me because abiding is all about remaining. It's about staying. It's about continuing. It's about when you want to quit, you keep going. And here we are trying to bring closure to something that's not supposed to ever end. So I thought about just continuing abide forever, but uh, maybe instead we could just think about it this way, that we are kind of opening the next chapter for what God has with us. But remember, we do have a deep hope and desire for this church to keep the fire burning. Like, I keep keeping that language alive intentionally. We want to build the fire in our hearts, right? No more burnouts, flameouts, tapouts, or castouts. Like, that is the thing. And in faith, in this culture, in today's world, so many people can get fired up quickly and they burn out just as quickly. We don't want that. We are going for something different here. And I want to make sure you get that deep in your heart and it sticks with you and you say, you know what? I am not going to be that story. I'm not going to be the person that just says, you know what? Life got hard and I tapped out. No, our faith in Christ is intended to remain. It's intended, we are intended to be people who abide in Christ. Are you all with me? We are abiding. So turn with me to John chapter 15 if you have a Bible. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But the portion of John 15 that we're going to get to today specifically speaks to this idea of abiding, of course, not just in Christ, but he says, abide in my love. And he specifically gets into this idea about friendship. So before we read, I want us to consider friendship for a moment. And as I often do, I want you to have a little quick discussion with your neighbor. And I have a question for you. And the question is just simply this. What makes a good friend? All right? What makes a good friend? Ask, talk, one or two people around you. What makes a good friend? Go. Start wrapping up, start wrapping up. All right, all right, all right, all right. What makes a good friend? I I always like to get, just hear what you guys are thinking to make sure we're on the same page. What makes a good friend? Transparency. Transparency. Loyalty. Sense of humor. Agree. Huh? Love. What? Reliability. Gosh, high requirements. Huh? Kindness. Kindness. Honesty. Honesty. Accountability. 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 A lot of of IT-wise. Huh? Consistency. Forgiveness. Faithfulness. Compassion. Realness. Respect. Good character. Honesty. Being like Jesus. Nobody said like watering your flowers when you're out of town. What's wrong with you guys? Nobody said like buying me birthday gifts. I know you guys, you guys went to the deep end, but none of that's true. Your good friends are the people who like show up, right? I'm just kidding. Those are good answers too. But listen, those are great answers, but I want you to keep this in mind because Jesus says none of those things. 
Before I read, I want you to consider an imaginary situation with me. You all ready? Imagine someone coming to you that you've known for a number of years, and they say to you, listen, you're a great friend. In fact, I love our friendship. I'm willing to die for you because you're my friend. Then they ask you, he or she asks you, are you my friend? But before you answer, this is what they say to you. They say, just so you know, to be my friend, you have to be willing to do whatever I ask. In fact, you have to obey whatever I command. But listen, if you do that for me, I'll do whatever you ask for you. Can you imagine this sort of conversation? It sounds a little bit ridiculous because typically friendship doesn't have anything to do. We don't like to demand things of our friends. We do have expectations in our, in our heart, but we don't like to demand things of them because we're a little bit more like, hey, no expectations. You just be you. You know what? We, don't, we, just, we care for one another. We don't, we don't necessarily ask anything of one another other than just I celebrate you as you are. Friendship for many of us certainly has, of course, these, all these qualities we just talked about. It has measures of love and affection and care for whatever, one another. But none of us would say, yeah, my friendship with, uh, with Daryl is really good because I do whatever he says. I obey all of Daryl's commands. Therefore, he's my great friend. That would be strange, right? Truth is, is I do obey everything Daryl says. But that's exactly what Jesus says in this passage we're about to read. Y'all ready? Let's get to it. John 15, starting verse 9. Jesus, he's continuing to riff on this idea of abide, by the way. So here we go. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So remember, we're a little deeper in the passage. Earlier he had said, he is the vine, we are the branches. We have to abide in the vine, remain in Jesus, all that kind of stuff. He takes it a step further right here with this one line. He says, I want you to abide in my love. Everyone say love. Abide in my love. He's like, remember, I am love, and I want you to abide in that. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So Jesus has already given us some good news here. He's like, I'm telling you, so that all the joy killers in your life will be put to bed if you abide in me. Then he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Which we could stop on that and talk on that one, right? Like, really, like how you doing at loving others as Jesus loved you? Like, if you really ask that question, because a lot of times people are coming at you, they got like EGR tattooed on their forehead. Extra grace required. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh no, here they come. EGR, I need some grace. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. We need to abide in the love of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Everyone say friends. friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. There it is, right? You're my friends if you do what I say. It sounds strange unless you believe that Jesus loves you and never would ask you to do something that you shouldn't do. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all, uh, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And this is an amazing line. No longer are you just workers, but you're friends. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide. Now this is that word again. But it's not talking about me abiding. It's talking about my fruit abiding. What does that mean? 
There's another, there's another translation that says fruit that lasts, meaning it's supposed to remain. It's supposed to last. It's supposed to be lasting fruit. It's supposed to have staying power. You guys know when you like go to a barbecue restaurant and you can smell it on you the rest of the day? It has staying power. You're like, wow, I ate seven hours ago and I still smell like a barbecue restaurant. Abiding is not, it's, it's longer than a day, right? Abiding is, it has staying power that actually has an eternal impact. Like it lasts forever. And then he says this, so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. Now, we, we talked about this last week, but he said it in verse 7. He says it again here. This is like giving us a blank check, right? Then he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. So back to this ultimate purpose of loving one another. So clearly Jesus has moved the conversation. If you can imagine the conversation progressing, he's went from this illustration that says vine and branches, all that good stuff. Now he's saying, hey, I'm talking about, I'm really talking about love. Are you going to abide in my love? And I'm going to talk about friendship. So he paints this picture of a type of friendship that is a deeper friendship than what we understand. And it might not seem all that odd to you because it's Jesus saying it, but he is giving us something different here. He's like, hey, this is deeper than a friendship who gets you a gift or you go to dinner with every few months. This is a kind of love that would lay your life down for your friend. And so Jesus couches his version, if you will, of friendship in this understanding of abiding in his love. We're going to keep getting into this because this is a difficult concept sometimes. Like, how do I actually abide in his love? It's incredibly important, though. i got to make this note that Jesus is not creating some sort of conditional friendship. He's not saying, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, I'll love you. It's not to prove your love to me. It's not, hey, do these ten chores or jump through these hoops. It's none of that. It's, it's, it's this. If you love me, well, then obeying my command should come rather easily to you. Because we're friends and you know that I would only do anything, the only thing I would ever ask of you or do is something that is for your good. And here's, here's where this gets a little confusing. But what if life is hard? What if something comes up and it's, it's challenging? What about those people who gave their life for Jesus, those things that are really, really challenging? I would say even this then. He says, even the things that are hard in this life that you have to do because I've commanded, you are doing it for your ultimate good, for an eternal purpose, and you are doing it for the kingdom of God and his glory. It's all still ultimately for your good and his good. It's living from an eternal perspective. Now, through this series, I've been continually bringing us back to the context. Everyone say context. Like, when did he say it? Who did he say it to, right? When did he say it? Who did he say it to? Because we have to remember that Jesus is saying this to his disciples, a group of friends that he had been doing ministry with. And John 15 is happening on the very night before Jesus is crucified. And Jesus knows the hour is upon him. The betrayer, Judas, has already betrayed him. He's already gone. He's got 11 remaining disciples. It's believed that he's talking to his disciples uh, in the garden right before he goes into a pretty lengthy prayer in the garden. And this is the conversation he has. And he says, listen, you are going to have to remain in me. I'm about to leave. You can, even though I'm gone, you can still remain in me. And it's by abiding in my love, remaining in my love. He says, remember, there is no greater love than a person who would lay their life down for their friend. Don't you know the very next day they got to see something? John, who wrote these words, John, who was called the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who stood at the foot of the cross, he's looking at Jesus hanging on the cross going, 
He's just overwhelmed by the love of not only Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as friend. No greater love. So Jesus looks at his disciples in John 15 and says, you got to keep my commands. If you're my friends, you'll keep them because you understand who I am and why I've come. You see, it's not a, it's not, it's not a reward system. It's not, you better do this or else. It's a, listen, if you love me, if you believe I am the son of God who came to save you, to set this world free, you're going to obey me. Because what I'm saying is for your good. So he has this relationship, right? He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. This, remember, he, who's he talking to? His disciples. Inferring that at one point in their life with Jesus, they probably had more of a servant relationship with Jesus than a friendship. And that's really important to think about. Let's, go, let's rewind the tape all the way to John chapter 1. We're in John 15. John 1, we find one of the first stories of his disciples following Jesus. In fact, the two of these disciples are following John the Baptist at the time. And we pick up the story, John 1, verse 35, and a moment happens. It says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. John meaning John the Baptist, right? Different than John the apostle who wrote this. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. I love this moment, right? Can you imagine? They're like, hold on, what? What did you just say? See a JB? We're following JC. You know what I mean? Like, see a deuce's peace? Wouldn't want to be you. That kind of deal, right? Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? No, I don't think he said it that way. He said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. Everyone say, with him. Amen. Being with Jesus is at the core of a friendship with Jesus. Look over at another moment. It's on screen, Matthew 4. Jesus calls another moment when he calls disciples, James, John, Peter, and Andrew. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew called Andy, I'm guessing. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus comes up to these men and is like, hey, come follow me. And they're like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. They drop their nets. They leave their boat. They leave their dad, Zebedee, right? They, they leave JB. It doesn't matter. They drop it and they follow him because these followers at this point begin a journey with Jesus. Something, something happened whenever Jesus called them. In fact, in Mark 3.14, it uses this language of choosing to be with Jesus very intentionally. It says this, Jesus, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Everyone say, be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. So Jesus chose the 12. And likewise, when you give your life to Christ, he chooses you and appoints you to go and be with him. You understand that? So Jesus has painted a picture for us of this perfect friendship that's been building for years with these men. For a moment, 
I want you to suspend what you think about friendship. There's a human friendship, but then there's a friendship Jesus is describing. It's a friendship of absolute surrender to one another. He's like, if you do what I say, I'll do what you say. It's an interesting, interesting, perfect union, perfect friendship. Now, Jesus is also perfect lordship. He's perfect kingship. He's perfect truth. But one of the lenses that God allows us to see him through is this lens of friendship that he gives us through Jesus. Do you guys understand how significant that is? Prior to this, no one would have ever said, oh, yeah, 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 I'm a friend with God. But through Jesus, it's different. So these early disciples, I want you to just keep imagining them, who we said this to. They are learning that abiding in his love becomes a way to friendship. And when we abide in that love, there is a byproduct of a life with Jesus. So I don't know if you caught all the byproducts as I was reading through John 15, but there's a whole bunch of things that just come with abiding in his love. They're just part of what grows out of us, if you will. So I want you to check this out. We're just kind of going to walk through these pretty quickly. But John, or excuse me, yeah, John 15, in verse 11, it says that your joy will be, will be full. Your joy will be full. This is a byproduct. Jesus said, I'm telling you this so that your joy will be full. And I know, I know for certain there are people in this room that you don't feel a lot of joy in your life right now. And you're like, I don't know if that's so true. Life is hard. It's taken a lot out of you. And all you want to do is be able to feel a joy in your heart. But I want to tell you something today, that joy is not a choice as much as it is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is something that is born in us and out of us. It is not something we can acquire or willpower our way to. You see, again, we got to consider this joy is not a reward. It's also not a choice. Because whenever he says um, that the fruit of the Spirit is born in us, he's like, listen, there, there is this reality that sure we can experience measures of joy outside of Christ. Like there are people that don't know Jesus. They have a measure of joy in them. So what, how is it? But you will never experience the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy any other way except through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. The good news about God is that Holy, the Holy Spirit is everywhere in this world. And his fruit does pop up even in places and in people that aren't seeking him but not in its fullness. So that is a byproduct. Verse 12 is another one. You'll love one another as he loved us. So this, first of all, this is like, again, whoa, like loving other people like Jesus loved us. This is that reckless, extravagant love that we sometimes talk about. All of us can maybe willpower our way to love people in our life, especially those EGR people, right? We can willpower our way. We can push our way to it. We're like, ah, love. <laughs> but love gets tired unless, guess what? What are the fruit of the Spirit? For the fruit of the Spirit are love. And the second one is joy. We already talked about that one. Okay, so this is another fruit of the Spirit. Meaning it's only born in us through the presence with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Can we willpower love? Does it exist outside of Christ? 
Yes, in doses, but not in its fullness. So the only way we can love as Christ loved is in abiding in his love. It's a byproduct. Verse 14, we see another byproduct. You'll be more than servants. We talked about this one. You'll be friends with God. This is a byproduct, a friendship with Jesus. you got to think about it. These early disciples, they began a journey of abiding, and they became friends with Jesus. This infers that at one point they were, of course, servants that grew into friends. And I think that that's very, very striking to me. Is it true that at salvation moment we begin a friendship with Jesus? Sure, at some level. But how many of you know people who are followers and servants of Jesus, but they aren't really great friends with Jesus? The people who are friends with Jesus, you're like, whoa, they spend a lot of time with him. You can just tell. You all know what I'm talking about? You know anybody in your life, you're like, they're a friend of Jesus. And then there are some people who are like, man, I just, I'm always, I'm, 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 I'm a servant of Christ, which a servant is a great thing. A servant, we're, we're, we're all these things at once, I get it. But there are some people that really understand what it means to abide in the journey of his love and they grow into a friendship with Jesus. That's who we want to be, right? It's a byproduct. Verse, six, verse 16 is another one. He says, you'll bear fruit that abides. I love this. I love this byproduct, right? It, I, I need to spend an extra minute or two on this one if that's all right. But in other words, you should bear fruit that lasts. This is that staying power, right? It sticks with you. It stays on you. But it's really more of an eternal flavor than a temporal one. It's something that lasts. I have a quick story for you. You want a story today? I told you about my back porch grapevine the last few weeks, right? Believe it or not, in the same yard, I had a backyard pear tree, um, which should make you kind of gasp. Um, anyone enjoy them a freshly grown pear? Raise your hand. Okay, more than I thought, but not most of us. There was about 20 hands that went up. Here's the deal. Nobody hates pears, but nobody chooses pears. That's where I, how I feel about pears, right? Um, nobody's asking for a freshly baked pear pie or pear bread. Jolly Rancher doesn't make a pear Jolly Rancher. They make, you know, cherry, strawberry, watermelon, sour apple. No, no pear. I kind of feel sorry for pears is what I'm trying to get at. But anyway, I had a huge pear tree, uh, and it produced a lot of pears, but unfortunately, pretty much all of the pears ended up rotting. So here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to produce fruit that abides, that lasts. He's contrasting it to fruit that rots. Some fruits rot and some fruit lasts. Anyway, we have this tree. It produces all, this, all these pears. And because no one's begging for pears, most of them fell to the ground and became a rotting mess in my backyard that I had to clean up for several weeks every year, hundreds of pounds of pear. And here's the deal. The only people eating them were the nocturnal critters that came out and gave me nightmares every night when I looked out the window and saw all these glowing eyes eating pears. Like, it was like, don't go out in the backyard in the month of September. Right? Let me ask you something, though. Nothing. What good are we doing if all we are doing is producing fruit that will end up rotting? See, this is what Jesus is saying. 
He's like, listen, put your time and your energy and your life into things that last. Quit putting all your energy into things that are just going to burn up, that are going to rot eventually, that aren't going to matter in the end. Why are you going to give your life to such a thing? Give your life to something that matters, something that has an eternal purpose and pleasure. And see, most of us, we're putting all of our energy into earthly possessions and successes when Jesus is saying, listen, I have something better for you. And it is a byproduct of my friendship with you. You can't do it by yourself. It only happens when you abide in my love. It will not be something you can go and create on your own. It only happens in relationship in a context of being with me. That's it. Jesus is saying, listen, I love you. You're my friends. And I want you to, I want you to produce in this life. But please produce fruit that lasts. And then one more byproduct, verse 17. He says this. You can ask God for anything in the name of Jesus and he'll give it to you. <laughs> this is this incredible statement. I called it a moment ago. It's a blank check. Like, really? Okay. He says four times to his disciples the same statement. He says it in John 14, twice in John 15, and once in John 17. And those stretches of all those chapters is one conversation with the disciples. He says this four times. Why? Why does he say this over and over again? We talked a little bit about this idea last week when we talked about verse 7. And we said, this is a head scratcher because all of us have asked for things from, from Jesus, if you will, or from God in the name of Jesus, and we haven't gotten them. So what does this verse really mean? Can we really believe this verse? Well, I would just like to say this. I, I think this drives the point home further with Jesus. He's like, listen, there is a friendship and a relationship available with me that if you continue to abide in me, that this is the result of what will happen. So all this says to me is that I have more to grow in. I have more relationship to understand about Jesus. That every time I pray and say, in the name of Jesus, will you do this? It's not happening. It's not because he's not, you know, it's like I said, a reward system. I want you to hear something today. We aren't talking about a reward system where you do this, you get that. We're talking about a presence system. That the more you are in the presence of God, the more you understand the heart of God and his love, the more you even know what to ask for. Because when you start being in his presence, you start asking for the things he wants you to ask for because you're becoming the person he wants you to become. I know this sounds simple in, in theory and theology, but it is not as simple in practice, is it? We have, we have orth, orthopraxy. Everybody knows what orthodoxy is. That's right thinking, orthodoxy. Orthopraxy is right living. Just because we know it doesn't mean we do it. There's a kind of a, Paul goes on this riff on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love it. He ends it by saying this. He says, you have to keep in step with the Spirit. It's another way of saying abiding. Keep in step with the Spirit. Practice the presence of God. And I, I use those words intentionally because there's, there was a man named Brother Lawrence who... <clears throat> lived and worked in a 16th century monastery. Spent a lot of time writing letters to other believers. Those letters were eventually turned into a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Beautiful book. Brother Lawrence wasn't actually even a monk. He actually just worked at the monastery as a dishwasher. 
But this man lived and practiced the presence of God so profoundly that it inspired so many people that people would literally show up to watch him wash the dishes. Because he was so in tune with the presence of God no matter what he did that people just wanted to be around him and understand what a life like that looked like. Brother Lawrence said this in his book, in one of his letters, he said, the time of business does not differ for me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and in the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in great tranquility as if I were on my knees before the blessed sacrament. What he's saying is that even in holy moments of communion, that's the blessed sacrament, by the way, and the holy moment of communion would be the most sacred moment of a day at the monastery. He says, even in that moment, it's no different for me than in the business, than the busyness and the chaotic moments of being in my kitchen. In other words, practicing the presence is one motion all day, every day, no matter what you're doing, where you are. I am with God. Paul calls this praying without ceasing. Now, Paul isn't literally saying, I want you to be on your knees praying every day, all day. It's not a prayer like that. He's saying, I want you to live every day as if the channel and your prayer is open to the Father. You are always inviting him to speak. You always have an ear to heaven and you have a heart for the world. Like it is this, it is this idea that I'm abiding in his love. I'm walking in his love. When people come to me, I see them as Jesus would see them. This is what Paul is talking about when he says pray without ceasing. This is what Brother Lawrence is talking about when he says practice the presence. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, remain in me, remain in my love, abide. The basis of abiding in his love is a simple phrase that I just summarized today with just this. It's just simply be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. That's the title of the message today, be with Jesus. And I, and I hesitate to call it this because I don't want to make it so simple that we lose the complexity and, the, and, and just the bigness of this. But every day, be with Jesus, abide in his love, keep in step with God's spirit every day. You get this. Remain when you'd rather run. Abide when you'd rather abandon. Stay when you'd rather stop. Be with Jesus every day. You got to know this. You got to believe it. There's nothing better. It's a way of life. It's apprenticeship to Jesus. You know, we tend to think that there wasn't a journey from servant to friend, like it was this immediate friendship for these disciples with Jesus, but there was a journey. The disciples took a journey, and this journey began with just the simple notion that I am going to be with him. He has appointed me to be with him. And I just want you to know that this is not basic. Be with Jesus sounds basic, but it's not. Because how many of you are up and down and in and out with Christ? We're up and down and in and out with Christ because we still have so much to do in this area of, of, of understanding that a friendship with Christ is one that remains and stays consistent. Abide in him, remain in him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Keep his commands. Avoid anything that would break his commands. Anything that, should, anything that would break his command should make us uncomfortable. But my concern is, is that a lot of us are pretty comfortable with things that would be unrighteous or sinful. And we're around it and we think it's okay because we have grace in Christ. But he's like, no, 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 I want you to obey my commands. Like, 
Why would you flirt with that stuff? Why would you be around it? Why would you say it's okay? Why would you say it's no big deal? Keep my commands. Remain, stay. Every day, wake up and consider how I can be with Jesus. Am I, am I staying on this long enough? I am abiding in this thought. How can I get up and be with Jesus every day? Listen, it doesn't have to be the same way. It doesn't have to be t- tied to just a devotional. A lot of us say, oh, I'm abiding because I have a 30-minute devotional or 15-minute devotional. Have your devotional, but that is not the, the, the end-all, be-all picture of abiding. That is just a part of it. Every day I'm doing life with Jesus. He's got to be in my mind. He's got to be in my actions. He's got to be behind my purpose. When I get ready in the morning, when I walk into work, right? This is you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me in our conversations, in our attitude, in, in our motivation, in our hopes, in our, in our priorities, in our decision-making. We do it all with Jesus. We're praying without ceasing. We're practicing the presence. Abiding isn't 15 or 30 minutes a day or only a Sunday thing. Abiding is every day. It's while you do the dishes and it's while you take communion. Those things are, can be and should be the same. Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. There are byproducts. There is fruit that will be born for your, from your life. You're going to have joy and it will be full. You're going to love one another as he loved us. You'll be more than servants. You'll be friends of God. You will bear fruit that abides. And you will ask, and when you ask God for anything, Jesus will hear you and he will give it to you. These are all byproducts of a life that abides. So tonight, tonight, getting ahead of myself this morning. I can't think of a better way for us to sort of close this time is just to take a few moments and just be with Jesus. Occasionally we do this where we're just like, hey, I'm not going to say anything. We're not even going to sing yet. There's just going to be kind of a quiet few minutes in this room for us to just sit. And I want to encourage you to mindfully pray. Maybe this is a heart is saying, Lord, I, I do want to be with you in a whole new way. I want, I want to see my heart grow in this idea of abiding in his love. So maybe it's a short prayer. Maybe you're just praying as you sit and say, Lord, help me be an abider. I want to practice the presence of God. I want to keep in step with your spirit. I'm just going to pray. We're going to have two, three minutes of just quiet before we sing today. Yeah, let's just pray. Would you, would, you, would you bow your heads? Father, come Holy Spirit, be in this moment. We just want to rest. We just want to abide in you. And even in this moment, would you, would you stir something in our heart and in our thoughts? that would launch us. We're ending this series, but we're launching something in us today to be abiders. We give you these next few minutes. Speak as you want to speak in the name of Jesus. Just rest, pray, reflect. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.